Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. You may well have heard that our guest on this week's podcast was Arya Moyad, actual Stewie Hosseini. And as a bonus, this is a much longer version of that interview. Arian gave us much more of his time than is strictly necessary for a man in his position. He was extremely gracious and patient in the face of our idiocy and some potentially cease and desist prompting objectification from Sarah. And we thought that you would enjoy hearing him go much deeper into how succession is made, what that's like for an actor, some of his thoughts and insights into why this show is like nothing else. Plus, we found out a bit more about him and his career. And central to that is Waterwell, which is the arts and education non-profit he co-founded age 21. On that, here's Arian. Tom originally and I came to the city from Indiana University and the year after 9-11, and we started a company called Waterwell, which is a community organizing art and education company that's 20 years old. And we make art alongside the communities that kind of want and to talk about their stories, listen to them, bring those communities in, bring in people to watch those shows and talk about that. Like, I'll give you an example. We did um, a show called The Courtroom, which is about five years ago now, or four years ago, which is a reenactment of one woman's deportation case. We performed it in courtrooms. Um, and it was like this real coming together piece of theater, to be honest with you. Um, and it, because it was a really surprised ending, it was made into a movie. And then all these immigration court activists came and saw the show. And now we work well inside them. That's kind of what I've been doing for 20 years. And then about five years ago, I got cast in succession. And, and now that you're doing prestige TV, if, if that was me, I would be thinking, oh, thank God for this. I'm just going to enjoy the world of red carpets and being fated and lauded <laughs> yeah. and talk shows for a while. Yeah, you would think that, to be honest, it, when I moved to the city, I thought I'd just be like a regional theatre actor. I thought I'd just be like a bunch of Shakespeare here. And that, just because there was no, at the time, there was no Iranian that was like on television or film or Broadway. Like, it was so unheard of to be in a doll's house. And so I just focused all my energies on Waterwell. And honestly, that's just been reaping more benefits than anything else. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm mostly a social activist anyway. I still give a shit about that more than succession. But in its own way, like a criticism you sometimes hear of yeah. succession is that oh, I don't care about these. I don't want to watch these people in this world. They're, they're yeah. so awful and it's so privileged. But it is very clever and and in some ways subtle because it's not on the nose satire on the wealth and power that those people hold in society i mean i think 
again, it's your own POV and when you want to, how you want to watch the show. Um, but in that POV, I, I remember when we were shooting season one, we were in England at the wedding and, and all my scenes were with Kendall. All of them were Jeremy. And so we were always in a bubble a little bit. I had a couple scenes with Brian, but at that point, everyone's just kind of like, and then we're in these big wedding scenes and now we're seeing fucking everyone there. And you're like, oh, everyone is doing the exact same thing that we're doing. And then you're like, is anyone going to get what we're doing? <laughs> like, are they going to understand that, like, we're not like, like, we're, it's a, also a comment on it. And then we would have these discussions on it. But some people were like, you know why? It's just comedy. It's not a big deal. And then you're like, oh, comedy. Yeah. You know, like, you just have, you have to constantly, we're figuring out what, what we all think the show is. And, and. And because it really kind of fits into its own little niche, um, that that at the time, to be real with you, we didn't know what we had on our hands. We knew the scripts were amazing, and we knew the acting was cool. And do you, so, do you feel to some extent that once season one was released into the world, and, <laughs> and and the world was able to kind of give you a steer on what it was, then it became more apparent? No, that's that's not true either. Because when it came out, they handed out for the press the first seven shows, first and first seven episodes. And to be real with you, we didn't get like we got like good reviews, but we didn't get like home run reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder how much of the show they watched. You know, you can watch the you know you hear this all the time. It took me a couple to get into. You can watch the first two or three and not really get it. And so we didn't really we weren't like it didn't feel like it was like a home run. Um, we thought it was fucking cool. I mean, when did you guys start watching it? Oh, we started watching it as it started airing here in the UK. And um, uh-huh. so from the very, very season we, one. And it's it's annoying to be like, well, we do a podcast on it. So we loved it from the beginning. <laughs> but it is true. Yeah. It was it was the summer of 2018. And Jeff went, do you want to try this thing? It's the guy who did Peep Show. Um, no, and yeah, I went, sure. sure. Yeah, fine. And we immediately kind of went, I'm in. Yeah, cool. As soon as you see Kendall on the way to the Volta yeah. meeting, you kind of get yeah, what it better. is. It's funny yeah. and it's sharp. And um, even like going back before that, when when you get the audition, presumably you would have been um, trying out for a bunch of things at the time. Did the audition sides, the script that you get, did that seem noticeably different to anything else? I, I auditioned for the pilot. I, so I read the script of the pilot first. And even reading that script, I thought that it was very daring and very uniquely, I don't know. I also, I kind of thought it was just like a straight drama, but then I was like, God, this is funny. Like, and, and then, and then, and so that was the first thing. So I knew something cool was about it, but to be honest, I was doing a play on Broadway called The Humans and they came back and they said, they want you to audition for another part. And I actually kind of almost passed on it because I said, would I audition for last time of like a douchebag hedge funder? It's the same. I'm just going to do with that idea with these words. I'm not going to come up with another idea for these hedge funders. I don't have another idea. And so in a weird way, reading the scripts again and reading the Stewie, especially that donut scene on the sides. I felt it was really unique because of the way that it started. I just remember being like, you know, it's talking about like micro capital. It's just like talking about capitalism through a donut and he's eating a donut. So I found it very, very honest. And because of the, the right, because of Jesse's writing and the team's writing, sometimes it, you know, in this last episode of episode four, there was this line that I had that's like, oh, okay. 
wow, that's it. And, uh-huh. and there's a lot of that kind of like stuff in it that kind of like gives you an idea to be like, oh, you can kind of do whatever version of it you want. And then I got cast. I was just telling the story last night. I was just, I got cast at like midnight and the next day I was on set in the, in the park. Wow. Yeah. I got cast at midnight. I'm like, but do you have my measurements? They're like, we have something that we can get. I said, he's a billionaire. It's all fitted. It's all got to be fitted. <laughs> fitted. It's just got to be fitted. Because I'm so interested in that, like that specific thing. It's a whole other layer to the show that has people like us obsessing about it. It's a lot to do with the, the craft of the people working on the show and the attention to detail and the authenticity of that world, even though there would be an argument to say our viewers won't notice the difference. But, but, notice that, yeah, but, it, sure. is, but it is just there. Tell, tell us about that with regards to Stewie then. When you put those clothes on, are those clothes from stores? Are they bespoke? What, do they, what does it feel like? Yeah, they're, they're a little bit of everything. Most of them are bespoke. Some of them are um, just high-end stuff. And basically, you know, for Stewie, it's because he is such an outsider and he is purposefully almost fucking saying fuck you with his clothes in a way like i don't you know at the wake he's wearing like this aubergine he's <laughs> like i can do what i want and and everyone just kind of accepts that of him i think and so so that's one big huge portion of it is that is that we really wanted to get the clothes to feel very fitted and very sharp and to be real the biggest thing that i thought was that he shouldn't wear socks i just was adamant about that <sighs> I was just like, I think it's just, that's the type of guy he is. He doesn't know where to stop. So how, how do those conversations happen? Is it you and a, a writer, a producer, and the costume person? Do you have a meeting uh, a, a week before filming? Or do they have a rail that you can go to? What what does that look like? Well, so so what happens is, Succession is its own beast. I just, I'm just going to tell you, like, generally what happens. Because Succession is, you know, sometimes we get this script so late that it's like a clusterfuck. Um, but the, the, um... Uh, what happens is that you come in and they have a bunch of different clothes that they have per- basically purchased in like two or three different sizes of each one. And they probably then come in and we just try everything on and see what fits and doesn't fit and what comes together and not. And then we really start trying to like build this character off of, of, of I mean, Stu is so much of it is the, is for me is, is the shoes and the clothes um, and the words. Do you know what I mean? And so, and so, and then you bring in all these beautiful things and, and you know Michelle, our our um, our costume designer, she is doing such incredible work. But she also has a real taste of what is is like on the cutting edge of like what they're wearing next year. And so, like, I would never pick a huge white turtleneck <laughs> for that episode. But they brought that in. I said, I'll wear it. And they put the suede on. I said, holy shit, this will work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does, um, does, so. does Stewie have anything in his pockets? Great question. All he has is his phone and maybe a pen. That's basically it. I think also the other thing that we found out by some of these consultants is that there's, um, you know, you, you've heard, like, we've heard that, like, when you're walking in to go into the, el- you know, helicopter, you don't, bow, you know, we will all like be like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't. But you just have to like walk in because you've done it a million times. But also they don't wear jackets. They don't wear like winter jackets because they're never going to be outside. So that the socks really fit into that. It's like he's never going to be outside a long time, you know, cut to, you know. Filming without <laughs> any socks with for hours. Yeah. Does he Does he have a smell? Yeah, it must be lavender, I guess. It must be good. <laughs> I feel he smells really yeah. nice. I hope I can I say that to you. Nice. 
<laughs> but what, what's interesting about good. all this is with the stuff you've done at Waterwell, which you've grown it, but at first that production company, it's on a shoestring yeah. and you're acting. And now you're acting on something, the succession budget, and, and you get to inform the character with all these choices to do, do with wardrobe and all this other stuff. How much of a difference does it make as an actor versus how much are you thinking, do we need to be paying this much attention? Um, Both. I think the watch situation is weird. I had this watch on. It was like $75,000 or whatever the hell it was. And I was like, what? Why? I don't want this. <laughs> so, you know, I don't even want the... This is a true story. I was shooting Succession while doing rehearsals for A Doll's House, which I'm doing on Broadway right now. And we're doing both at the same time. And one day I leave Succession to come to A Doll's House and I forgot to take home... I forgot to give back the watch. And then I'm like, we're getting texts being like, we need the watch. I said, I'm about to do the designer run. I will get this to you, man. <laughs> and in the middle of the designer run, all of a sudden, a couple of stage managers comes up to me. And I was like, what is happening here? And they like tap me on the show and they're like, uh, the succession people are outside. They want their watch. <laughs> <laughs> I said, right now? So like, I was like, I'm in the middle of the fucking thing. So I just like get over. I was like, here, give him the watch. That at all. I don't want that. They I mean, were thinking, Arian is taking that watch. He's going to switch it for a forgery and it's going yeah, on eBay. Get his money I and run. <laughs> I was. And, and we're really well, obs- there. But <laughs> it's the obscenity that, but I think that's what's kind of the, the piece of art that I think is important that kind of correlates a little bit what you're saying about the Waterwell side of with regards to succession is, is that we're all kind of going after some deep truths. Uh huh. Emotional truths. You know, um, interpersonal truth, global truth, truths about society, truths about power. Um, and the the reason why I think the show is so successful is because we see all that and we're like, that's probably what this looks like. Right. And we feel like, oh, that's kind of how they are. And that is a comment that I think is we in that first season, we, we used to get all the time. Well, I don't want to be that rich. And you're like, what's well, true? Yeah, no one needs yeah. to be that rich. I wouldn't mind. You know? I and take so, it. I mean, I take it too, I guess. We're, we're, we're really interested in these character Bibles, even minor characters. They know their <laughs> backstory going back 30 or 40 years. How much of that did you have for Stewie? Um, not a ton, to be honest with you. I, I've known Jeremy since I was 19. How? He was at the Steppenwolf Summer Theater Program in Chicago. Sarah's mom has season tickets. My mother is a subscriber. (laughs) I've I've done two shows there. I don't want to be that guy. Um, Wait a second. How? What? Give me a year. Give me a year. You're 19. So I'm 19. So I might have been 20. So it must be either the summer of 2000, the summer. It's the summer of 2000. Okay. Um, And and my best friend, Brendan Donaldson, where I went to Indiana University with, went to the summer beer program, and Jeremy was there. And so we all, I used to hang out with Jeremy. So the first thing is, I had a big piece of God happen there, because I've known Jeremy just like Stewie has known Kendall for a long time. And so that that was a real leg up to that relationship. And that was an active you know I mean? friendship. It wasn't you met him once at 19 and then didn't speak to him again no, until the I mean, first day I mean, succession. He was very, he was very, we were both very busy, he lives in Brooklyn and all that. But yeah, we hung out throughout the years, and seen each other at parties, seen each other's show. He saw me in Bengal Tiger. Um, I saw him in um, Great God Pan, which Amy Herzog wrote, which I'm, Amy Herzog wrote. Like, it's a community, you know? It was just, And so, yeah, we, like, see each other. So with that existing relationship with Jeremy, 
how much yeah. preparation did are the two of you putting in scene together? Because famously, he is immersing himself in this role. I forgot that he was method. I knew that throughout the years that people would say like, oh, he's really method. But I just forgot that. And then on the first day of set of the donut scene, I was like, hey. And I was like, and I was like, oh, he's really like focusing in. I was like, okay, cool. And then they came up and they said, hey, we want to do this whole thing as a one shot. So it was from inside to outside. It kind of in the episode, it actually got broken up. You know, it was like, but we all shot it as a one shot. We shot it as from the donut scene, coming outside, opening up the umbrellas and doing that scene outside with the umbrellas. And they said they want to do it a one shot. And then I was like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, just enough why we shoot on film. I said, wow, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so now all of a sudden I'm getting nervous. Because will you, <laughs> will you just explain to me why, why that fills you with anxiety or why that starts because, to feel different because, to you? Because the, the process of reloading film and the process of that is a, is a lot more precious. A, it's very expensive. And B... You can't all of a sudden be like, you know, hey, let me just stop this for a second. Can you edit this out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to just do it. And now they're saying they want to do a one shot. So that must have been like a five page scene now. So it's like, oh, OK, so we're going to do a five minute scene that's inside and outside. Oh, by the way, it's raining outside. OK, yeah. So we need umbrellas. All right. So we need umbrellas. And then they're like, and then and then Jeremy is method. So we're not. He's like, he doesn't really want to rehearse. I was like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> what? so like and then they're like and action and so you do that entire thing and so like and i've already decided i i wanted to be him to be cool and collective and mm. easy you mm. know what i mean i was really i could f- also this you know jeremy is you know at method and he's really serious about the work and he's in you know in the corner preparing and and that's a different that has to i have to i can't be on the same energy as that why so can't like, you? Why I'm, can't you be? Because that's just not because, your vibe? No, just because if he's doing that in the scene, if there's going to be some sort of angst to that scene, it's easier for me to Harold Ramis him underneath. So it was like defining, do you know what I mean? Like to be the straight to, man. Sorry, ha- right, Harold Ramis as in straight man. Right, he made right. Him, yeah. He made him into a this verb. Is... Another Midwesterner, <laughs> another Midwesterner. <laughs> Thank you very much. Because this is what I don't, very you know, much. sometimes don't understand this about, because I'm, I'm not in that world. But yeah. You, you can have one actor who's so immersed into a character and then at the other end of the spectrum have this Brian Cox ethos, which, uh, you know, I think there's a bit of talk show bluster in this, which is the kind of remember your lines and don't bump into the scenery. But that you, you can't have a musician playing jazz and uh, a musician playing hard rock on stage at the same time and have it cohese. You, and yet in, in acting, you kind of can. You can't, It's hard. What's hard, hard about it? it need, well, you need a leader. You need something at the top to hold us down. And is that the and director or is, is Jesse. it Jesse? No, right. in this scenario, it's Jesse because our, our leader is this Bible that is called the script. Uh-huh. Like we would every day sell. You, you open up the script and you're like, what? How amazing is this? How just absolutely op- mind altering is this work? And so, so that was our leading compass there. And, but, but what I was just saying, the last part of this is like, you made this analogy about jazz and hard rock, but it's, it's kind of like sports though. In sports, you have people that come in like a Michael Jordan that will do a finals game and then, you know, shoot for another three hours in the opponent's court just to get going. And then you also have Dennis Rodman who's partying all night. And again, that he, but somehow or another, when the, when all of this, come these players come together with a strong leadership you really have like you have a 
you have a pretty kind of unique piece of art. And that's not just the actors. I mean, the sound engineer, Ken, the camera operators, like we're shooting on films. There's 20, 30 actors. We don't even know where the, where the cameras are. Like it's everything is a real fresh start that doesn't fit into the regular television mold. And in some you know ways, I mean? does that make it like theater? Yeah, definitely. 100%. It's very, 100%. I, I find it very moving actually to hear you describe it that way because it's just um such a work of art and as a viewer i'm just so grateful for the quality of it we are we love it without sounding gross with as like artists with a capital a yeah being in the room is fucking cool it's just everyone is hitting on all cylinders um when you were talking a little bit earlier about um like the the sort of clusterfuck created when you're you're getting these very last minute changes to the script, and I've heard writers talk about that, be like, "Oh, we we screw everyone a little bit," but you know, is it is it very atypical how late in the day you are being handed your lines? Succession is a whole nother level of that. Okay, I, I mean, it is it's uh, it's it is pretty atypical. We flew to Croatia, all crew members actors and there wasn't a script there was like a loose script but there wasn't an official script and i'm so sorry to do this i know this is like yeah, fucking but like just the grungiest dumbest question of all time yeah i understand i'm not allowed to ask an actor how they mem- how they memorize all those lines yeah, but yeah. but is it for someone at your level and the, the levels of everyone on that show to go motherfucker um you're supposed you want this for me in in what an hour and do you does that stress you out or are you kind of like no i'm a theater kid i know how to do this no 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 no. opposite theater kids rehearse yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, no no theater kids we we would we would have it we're run it five times no i find it really stress inducing and i find the anxiety level of my and also jesse doesn't give me like the you know, pusillanimous fools go like he's like throwing like some shit at me, and it's like, geez, bro, okay. Um, and is it one of those shows you can do what you want with the words, but that every syllable on the page has to come out your mouth? Yes and no. I mean, here's another atypical thing about the show: on a regular TV show, you do six pages, maybe six and a half. On our show, we can average 12, 13, 14, 15 pages regularly a day because we shoot it all at the same time. We're doing all 14 pages at one go, like a little one act. So you're memorized for your section of that one act, which is, let's say, two pages. I'm bullshitting, but two pages. And so you're memorized for all that. But in that, in when they say action and the shit hits the fan and your mind goes blank, you have to keep going because there's too many people for you to be like, hey, guys, can we cut? Oh, my God. So you have to then be like, all right, here we go. Just say words. Just say words. <laughs> And so, like, the imp- and then Sarah, improv comes on. Uh-huh. And that's allowed. Well, allowed or not allowed. You're going to do, okay. <laughs> You've got to do something. We have to move. The, the engine has started. Oh, my the, God. Because the camera is going to finish our two-page scene. It's going to all of a sudden zoom in on their four-page scene. And then it's going to zoom in on this. Two. You know, like, the, the machine is up and running. You're just trying to get on the next one. Mark Mylod, our, 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 like, main director, says something when, we do- when he does these big, huge, like, 13, 10-page things. He says, we're just going to do it right now, and then we'll get it all wrong, and then we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it's also very improv in a way. Were you um, were you doing improv stuff like at UCB or The Pit? What about The People's the Improv Theater, baby? I was the night manager. <gasps> I was the night manager of The People's Improv for two years. 
Oh my God, what two years were you people's improv theater in? 2000, it was 2004 to 2006. Oh my God, I did some show. We've, I mean, this is, the, what this is, is what a reunion. No, 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 I was terrible at it. I'm really bad uh-huh. at it, which I know you'd be surprised to hear, but I was, I was noticeably, noticeably bad. I am bad. actually surprised to hear that. I'm really bad at it. And um, I did a solo show. Oh, on a Saturday night with a group called Neutrino in 2004. <gasps> I definitely worked that night. I wasn't very good, but you know, was we, we, orange, we are all, girl. I was called I hated Orange the show, Girl. Guys. I hate... We're all on our own orange journeys. Girl. I remember Jen Nails had a monologue. Jen Nails! Thank you. Yes! Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you my... think I'm bullshitting no. you? No. Jen you... Nails is monologue class, and then, and then, she would have little, she would have inner monologue class. You can come in and perform one of the nights of the week. It wasn't a Saturday. And Neutrino was a big act. Neutrino was a huge act. Big. What year did you meet your wife? 2003. Right, because if that hadn't happened, Sarah would definitely have hit on you in 2004. No, no, no. I know. I know. I know better. But I do have a, can I move on to some of my wife's stuff? Yeah, please. Here's what I'm curious about. So I say this to you respectfully, humorously, (laughs) Yes. seriously i yeah, run into my i'm coming coming out of coming out of the gym yesterday it's not a big deal but i was coming out of the gym and i run into my two friends becky and and elspeth and i say something and i don't want you to get too up on a high horse but we we moved our son's birthday party to be able to talk to you today you are lying i'm completely serious it only was by a, an hour, only by, by like an, hour, an hour and a half and it was a it was a second like he it's the whole anyway, thing. I, I, it was tiny. Yeah. You don't need to know. But so the point is, I was like, I'm so sorry we had to move it. Stewie's available. Stewie first. They're like, we get it. We get it. And my friend, and she's like, he's fucking hot. Tell him I will do it. No strings attached. My mother. She said, that was she said. She goes, Becky goes, tell him I said no strings attached. My mother last night, she's like, I can't Stewie. It's it's a real sex symbol thing that I think is happening for you. We ask people about their crushes all the time. We hear your name a lot. And I am not interested in what that feels like to you because that's boring. What is interesting <laughs> to me is, okay. is what your wife thinks about it because as a middle-aged lady i have friends whose Mm. husbands are like just aging beautifully and some of them are like yeah i mean i guess it's like nice that he's okay to look at and the other ones are like actively annoyed that their husbands look fucking hot as shit in their mid-40s how is she feeling about it we're centering her you know it's so funny we kind of like giggle about it a little bit it's just so funny to us because it's just such a new it's just such a five-year new phenomenon i mean it's a I, I wasn't prior to this, like, ever thought of that way. No one said shit like that to me before. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were, you know. But then all of a sudden it happens. So, like, I think it makes Chrissy and I give. I mean, I don't think she's. I think she still just wants me to make sure that I make breakfast in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do. Breakfast yeah. is yours. Oh, because you're a theater guy. I, I, so you do the mornings with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I don't think she's. You know, she's so fucking confident. And she's also very fucking sexy. So, you oh, know. God. I think we're all, of course she has to be. She's got Stop Stewie. making Arian feel uncomfortable with I'm your not. objectification. I'm not. He understands no, the I don't. spirit. Sa- Sarah's even it. into you with that 2011 mustache of yours. Oh, yeah. I think the mustache is great. The what? The, oh, the mustache in 2011? Respectfully. I think yes, the mustache yes. is fucking hot. hot. Does your wife think that? No. No. God, this no. lady, she's living it, man. <laughs> <laughs> she does not... When we were doing them, when we were, when the mustache was happening, I did it for six months. 
doing a show on Broadway with Robin Williams. Did you know that? Oh, wow. I had to play with Robin Williams. Yeah. What was that Six like? Six months. It was magical. It was, was just it? magical. We were the two leads of the show and... Yeah, I guess our impression of him would be that you never quite know what you're going to get. Was that true? He was doing a straight play. No, he was right. doing a play. I mean, he's an actor. He went to Juilliard. You know, he was amazing. He was a dear friend of mine. We went to his memorial. I talked to him three months before he died. and I loved him dearly, and he was really kind to me. Um, but I will say this, that he also was amazing because when he comes into a room, he can give you what the room wants. If it wants to be serious, it can be serious. If it wants to be funny... He knows where his role is, and it, it wasn't a burden on him, I don't think. Um, that wasn't, at least. So when we were doing the play, he was just doing it. He was just straight up doing the play. Um, what what I learned from Robin in that experience is like how much he dedicated his life to service. And I was at a very crucial point. I had two kids at the time. We were broke. We were, you know, just living the city. It was tough. But I had this company Waterwell that was like really feeding the soul, and like we were starting a school, and it was all going really well. But it wasn't paying any fucking cash, you know, it just wasn't doing anything. And theater, as you can imagine, does not pay. And so Robin really like said, "Double down on that. Don't worry, about that. the money will come." And that was, you know, no one would say it shit like that to me back then, because they would be honestly, Jeff would be like, "Drop this shit. You're in a play with Robin Williams. Fucking make make it. Do it." And and he was the opposite of that, weirdly. And and so that he was he was a great guy in that way. Uh, it's also really kind of tricky because I was I was I was young. I'm 43, but he was, I was like 30, 31. I got nominated for a Tony Award. Robin didn't. What do you make of that? We were in different categories, so that, I mean, but um, he was like the third person to call me that morning. Yeah, like, you did it, boss. You did it, you know. So gracious. And I just felt terrible. Oh my god, just he was a gem. And then I felt terrible. <laughs> I just like I felt I don't know. I felt like humiliated that he didn't and i did and i felt i had to say something and you know i i, I, I we had a three-month-old like you, you can imagine right, i was right, not right. in any normal there was all cuckoo and then all of a sudden like robert de niro was showing up to see the show and like what's happening you know <laughs> it was a whole situation hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
with succession um, through these. I think what will go down as some of the greatest performances on television already that's how it's talked of brian cox as as logan uh, jeremy as as kendall some of the stuff sarah snook is doing in this series is is there anybody you think oh no pay attention to them because what they're doing is unbelievable i mean you could always say yourself but it's not getting as much focus i think i i think everyone's a titan i'm so glad that like peter friedman is getting his love i'm I mean, he's so amazing. Oh, my God. He's so, so great. He's such a great, great actor and a great person. Um, David Rashi is unbelievable. You know, I've always thought that Jay was doing exceptional, tricky, kind of nuanced work. Is she somebody that you'd um, you'd cross paths with in Theatre World? Yeah, a little bit. We knew each other a little bit. But everyone else... I, I, so uh, just to see how incestuous it is, Jeremy did a play with Peter Friedman called The Great God Pan, written by Amy Herzog, who wrote The Doll's House, which I'm doing on Broadway right now. So I saw these two do a play together years ago. I've seen Peter do eight, nine plays. I've seen Jay do about five, six plays. We're all theater people. And is that part of the secret source of it? I think so. I think so because, again, because of the film, because of the way that we shoot, you can be really out of the loop if you are not on this game of just like, let's go, dude, Uh just like... It is what it is. Like, if you stumbled over something or if something fucked up or whatever, the just move on. And, and, and I feel in the theater, we do that consistently because, you know, all of a sudden a glass fucking falls on the ground. You got to fucking clean it. I mean, no one's picking this up but you. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just have to, like, do it, you know? So there's a little bit of that energy there. Um, and again, you know, in this season, in episode three of this season on, on the boat, they did, like, a 25-minute one take first of all that's unheard oh, of yeah period <laughs> secondly it's unheard of that it's on three five cameras on film just producerially and financially sounds agita inducing and um and and then all of a sudden you have to have the performers and the bodies to not be intimidated but i mean i don't know how to say it yeah because it's intimidating yeah it's, it's not it's not that's just for the so fate interesting. of interesting right right right. theater right. people might have a better sense of that because they've just done it i'm not saying across the board but i will tell you every almost i would say 95 percent of the actors are have i've done plays you know Jam, jamie cromwell um has done plays larry pine hope davis has been on broadway a few times and off broadway she's you know everyone's been in plays um this right. is back to, back to your Lady. Yeah, Chrissy um, Shields. When you found out um, about Logan's death, uh-huh. did you tell Chrissy? And don't lie. Don't be like, oh, get fucked. No. Advice. You, you no, no, no. truly Chrissy didn't doesn't want to know. Chrissy doesn't want to know. Why does she, she want to be surprised? Mm-hmm, I guess. Uh, she wants to be surprised. You know, she's been in processes before where I've said stuff and she's like, you know what? This ruins shit for me. Don't tell me anything. Honestly, the biggest compliment, I don't know why we haven't gotten this compliment as a cast and crew, but how we kept that fucking secret from, I guess, July until now is, like, impressive. It's unbelievable when you think of the amount of mm-hmm. people involved. Oh, my God. It, it's because it was so... people care about the show. I really think that's what it is, is that people understand this sort of diamond that's been made and they don't want to be the person. It's who... made me believe in conspiracy theories. I always say, oh, no, a conspiracy theory, that can't be true. Somebody would blurt it out. But if, if that many people can keep Logan's death a secret, then maybe Area well, 51, it, it... there is something going on in there. <laughs> Oh, there's definitely something going on there. Um, wait till the episode. Yeah, uh, no. But but the reality is, we we got onto a Zoom. 
all the principal actors. It was like 20 of us. And he just basically told us what's going to happen in the season. Um, and then said, yeah, and, and, and Logan is going to, uh, and it's going to happen in a third episode. Um, and that really, we were all kind of, I mean, we were all kind of shocked. I mean, Brian had just found out, um, prior and then we were all just pretty much shocked. And then he gave a whole speech of like, is this the last season? Is this not the last? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. And then we just kind of all hoped that it would be, but we didn't find out until, um, until like late February. Did you say you, you hoped know, that it would be? We hoped that it would continue on, is yeah, what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, we, I really trust Jesse. And I think if he's like saying we're going to have four and it's going to be four home runs, yeah. then like you kind of got to do four home runs instead of like, you know, sometimes what happens is they, they have four, but they're like, no, we'll do a fifth. The, the, the fourth season doesn't turn out great. So then the fifth season doesn't turn out great. So they're like, fine, we'll do a six. And then also it's like, ah. the wheels have come off the bus there. And in this scenario, yeah, listen, we love coming to work and doing succession. We love playing Stewie and we love playing Roman. I mean, we love the characters. We love the people. We love the crew. We love um, everybody. But that's going to be the hardest part, I think. Oh, We're just not going to have those opportunities again. And have you seen the cuts of the rest of the series? When you say cuts, you mean like the edits of yeah. like what's happened? Yeah. Can I be blunt with you? I, I don't think they're very... I mean, they. I know that they're still like working on this season hard yes because i'm just thinking about the other shows which i think succession has been and will continue to be spoken of in the same breath as maybe like the sopranos or breaking bad the these are shows which um i love the ending of the sopranos breaking bad i thought was good but um there's always uh, um game of thrones big high-end shows end. you can't please all of the people i'm wondering how close you think succession can get to landing in a way that feels Satisfying to the bulk of the viewership. Um, I mean, I think it's really satisfying. Uh huh. It's good to know. Okay. I just trust. Them I implicitly. think it's really. I know that that's the thing, and it's such a succession. And by succession, I mean this team. It's such a this yeah, yeah, team totally. thing that this show is ending after four seasons. Yeah, and and again, leaving on top, like leaving oh. again. Who knows? I could be. You know, I haven't seen the rest. I mean, I've read the episodes, so I, but I'm but. Every episode is just a gem. Everything is succession. Everything feels hilarious and dark and crazy and weird and amazing. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that could be said, but at the end of the day, Jesse Armstrong and his writing team are the, are the stars of this show. The writing is the stars of this show. Then we have great actors that have matched the the writing, but you know, but if there's not the writing, there is, you know. Can I ask you something technical about the writing that I'd, I'd struggle to understand? Yeah. How these characters... Like, sometimes I don't understand that Brian Cox isn't Logan Roy. You rarely see characters so fully inhabited. They feel so naturalistic on one hand, and yet their turns of phrase and their choice of words for insults is far beyond what any actual human being would be able to come up with on the spot yeah, yeah. in real life. How did that, How can you marry those two things? How can something feel so naturalistic and so beautifully written linguistically at the same time? It's not easy. Um, you know, the, um, that scene in Croatia where, uh, where, where it's like, 
you're going to cut my dick off with a thong and I'm going to put it up on your, you know, all that like <laughs> verbal. I went to Jesse, I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can say this. I, mean, I don't think there's any chance in hell that this is going to sound realistic, to, you know, and, and he's like, just do it. And I did it. And it, and it I think it's just, you have to believe in, I, it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's really not easy because in situations like that, when Jesse has written it, you're like, I want to honor this. I want to make sure that I can, you know, the, the, the belligerent zucchini works. Uh-huh. So it's, it's hard, but you just keep pushing through. And, and, and it's a little bit of Shakespeare in that way, because when I'm performing Shakespeare, I'm not thinking, oh, I sound like Shakespeare. I'm trying to make my thoughts coherent mm-hmm. with Shakespearean language. So there is a little bit of that as well, I think. Okay, final question. <laughs> I'd like to formally announce these things. Um, when you guys were filming the episode with Shiv's wedding and you uh-huh. and Kendall, Stewie and Kendall, they go into that pub. I think that scene was really something for the British viewers because it was... Um, Grimy and terrible service. Yeah, it was really capturing the Britain that I know. Um, were, the, were you forced to eat any disgusting British foodstuffs while you were over here? Oh, yes. Maramite? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the hell is that? Oh. <laughs> what the hell is that? Do you know, I was... So it's a very yeah. good source of vitamin B12, Arian. I don't give a shit. Have a pill. I was was debating debating the value of that question, and you really knocked that out of the park with the ideal answer. Um, (laughs) I remember, can I say one thing about that pub scene that I just remembered? We, again, shooting in this kind of like crazy-ass pub, and we're walking in, and as we're walking in, we have a long walk to get us to the table, and and, and there was an improvising. And I, and Jeremy, I think was like, oh, I think Roman and I used to come here as kids. Like we used to sneak out and come here and told me this whole story about like how he would sneak in and have some pub, you know, some drinks or pints or whatever. And he's gone on and on and on. <laughs> I, I said, cool story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they taught you so, Jen Nails taught you so well at the People's Improv Theater. <laughs> Cool story. And cool then, story. <laughs> and then we sit down and do the scene. And then I was like, wow, I should come up with something better to say and, and do it again. And he says the whole thing again. And I said, yeah, man, cool story. <laughs> and, and that was it. And I thought I was sure that was going to make it. But, you know. Do you think that's part of So their, much is left. Is that part of that thing? Because it is, a, I, I said on the podcast last week, in some ways it's sad to me, Kendall and, and Stewie's friendship, because it is the, yeah. it's the best possible friendship that someone like Kendall can hope for. Somebody who would slit his throat if yeah. the right business deal came along. But is there something beautiful about the friendship? That moment you had this week suggests there is. I think so. I think you'd have to imagine that they went to high school together in a really rich, 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 rich school with a lot of like kids of like giants and and himself being one. And I can imagine them figuring out like we should fucking run the into He says it. We had the whole world in our hands and you fucking walked. And I think they talked about that, which is not that dissimilar to like how we talked when we were 19 at Steppenwolf. Like we want to do this. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I can really easily imagine that that being the thing the other thing about stewie that no one really outside of maybe frank in kendall's life is everyone lies to his ass right everyone's lying to him and he lies to everyone 
And so to have someone be like, no, dude. And he said it. He goes, I'm sorry about the board vote, but you know I had to follow the money. You know that. That is a, a clear barometer. You know what you're going to get. He said it again. If it's a little bit more chance that, that, that I will win, I'll just go with that. And that is succession. That is, I think, a big comment of what Jesse is trying to say, is that there is no end. There is no like ends to how yeah. much power and, you know, oh, yeah, fine. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. In season four, in episode two, like right before the board meeting, they're still going to try to squeeze a little bit more money out. And then at first I was like, God, it's so petty. They're like, happens all the time. Happens all the time. At the last minute, they're like, no, actually, I want a little bit more. It's so weird it's that it, it makes no difference. You, they've got so much money they can never spend it. And yet, yet the acquisition of more. I want a little bit more. Yeah. Give me a little bit something else, you know. And that's why it makes sense that the night before the board meeting, they're all like, let's do a side. Does Stewie think Kendall's a dick? I think Stewie thinks that Kendall's a friend. And I think Stewie feels that Kendall can sometimes not be great at business. But in the cool story moment, that says something about their friendship, doesn't it? Yeah, they think they, I think they have that. I think they have that testosterone relationship. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they have a very like, fuck you, fuck you. No, you fuck you. You know, like it's it's me making fun of his the, his business deal that makes Kendall cry and then you know, make him laugh and then cry. Again, not that many people can do that. Frank can do that sometimes. He wanted you sometimes. Is Stewie a very tender lover? <laughs> oh. Well, what does Sarah want? <laughs> she wants Tender to know that he is takes this, his is time. This the, is, this, is this Sarah the character? <laughs> Sarah the character wants to know that Stewie takes his time. All right. Even though he's a very busy Definitely businessman. Yeah. Definitely. He's been so generous with his time in this interview. He's been oh, so generous. You. It really, you made our week by squeezing this oh, in. So thank happy you so much. What's your son's name? His name is Gene, and he was seven last week. Oh, I love it. So, happy birthday, Gene. Thank you. We'll tell Enjoy. him you said so. Have a great show tonight. Thank you so much, Aria. We really Bye. appreciate your time. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.